0: Welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome like anxiety, health and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. We are constantly bombarded with what we should look like from the media, even our doctors and natural health practitioners. It can be so challenging to find value in who we are as we are. That's why I'm excited to speak with this week's guest, Rebecca Newkirk. Rebecca has two young kids and a full and thriving therapy and coaching business. Today, we get into talking about the health at every size movement, diet culture, and for us overachievers and high achievers, we talk about how to manage ourselves when we're in our world that is overflowing and we are feeling overwhelmed. I think you're going to get a lot of interesting tips and tools from Rebecca today and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Rebecca Newkirk. Are you interested in having a published author speak in your classroom or at your community event? I'd be interested in speaking about my new novel, Pendulum by S.E. German, the writing process, mental health, Panda's Pans, podcasting, and more. Contact me at reallifeprojectco at gmail.com for both in-person and online bookings. So welcome, Rebecca, to the podcast. I'm happy to connect with you today.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: You're welcome. So why don't we start with you providing a little bit on your
1: background and how you got into coaching? Yeah, uh, thank you. So I am a therapist um, and I specialize as a therapist in what I call complex trauma um, and I've been a therapist for, uh, you know, a little bit over 10 years now. I love it. I love therapy. I don't I don't have any intention to stop doing therapy. Um, but what I did start noticing is that a lot of my clients, as I specialized more and more, there were some sort of like skills and tools that I was starting to realize that all of them could benefit from. Um, and so I thought, you know, not everybody needs or wants the one-on-one support of like, you know, weekly therapy. And so I started thinking, well, what if I were able to provide this? in a different way. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I got sort of excited about this idea of um, branching into coaching and here I am.
0: Oh, that sounds great. Um, and a really nice combination of ways to to help people. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. So why did you decide then to focus? I noticed on your website, it's really focused on high achievers and helping clients to deal with that overwhelm and making better choices for mental health. That's something that I'm always struggling with. I'm definitely <laughs> an overachiever and uh, somebody that does get overwhelmed. So you know what, what were you um, looking to target, I guess, in there?
1: Yeah, so um that's a great question. I think I think if you ask, you know, a a bunch of therapists, you'll probably find that a lot of us end up um like sort of niching down to working with people uh that are that are similar to us <laughs> and that have had mm-hmm. some of the same um life experiences and challenges and I think I you know, as I was specializing, I started um noticing that, you know, complex trauma is such a broad experience and it manifests in so many different ways. But one of the ways that I really uh, like working with and that I was finding really, really um, engaging for me um, is people who are high achievers. And they tend to be, um, although they don't always identify themselves as such, they tend to be pretty perfectionistic, very, very self-critical. They're usually the ones that like you know, were the mediators between mom and dad, they were like kind of keeping the peace at home when they were little, they they feel very protective and sort of parentified um, with their families and sometimes even their friends. Um, and then they don't like, you know, being a burden in any way, shape or form to anybody that matters to them. So there's this sort of like amalgamation of all of these different symptoms and experiences um, that I just have so much like heart for. And I just, um want, you know, these people tend to be such good humans, you know what I mean, who just really, really care deeply. And I want them to be as effective as they want to be. I want them to be able to do the good in the world that they want to do without torturing themselves.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um. And then trying to kind of make them have those tools so they can be their best selves. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um. And so the other thing that I noticed you were interested in um, is the health at every size movement. And that's something that I'm really interested in as well. It's something that I've been exploring. I learned about it through therapy, actually, and then have been reading on my own and trying to really understand um, the movement. And then it's actually crazy when you look at how much um, diet culture really affects so many decisions in your life, you know, and it's almost like you lift this veil and you're like, oh my gosh, everything is impacted by diet <laughs> yes. culture. Like, how is this even happening? And so I wondered if you could just, you know, talk a little bit about the health at every size, diet culture, and and then some of that impact on on
1: us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I was originally introduced to the Healthy at Every Size movement by a therapist that I worked with actually. So um, I was like, probably, it was probably about five years ago now, maybe a little bit more. And she um, self identifies as a fat activist. Um, and that was really, really um, different for me. I'd never really talked to anybody who had that perspective. And she was so good about like being like, kind and empathetic and, and calling me out (laughs) on my, on my stuff. Right. So I Mm -hmm. was really lucky to have her. Um, And, you know, through that lens, I started to see how particularly like the medical, I think the medical field, Mm -hmm. the medical profession, um, just puts so, so much pressure on people's weight. And it's like, if you're, you know, if you're sick and if you're going to the doctor, then the first thing that they're going to do is weigh you. Um, even if there's no medication involved and they have no reason to know what you weigh, um, Mm -hmm. they're going to weigh you. And then they're going to tell you that, uh, like nine times out of 10, and they're going to tell you it's your fault because you need to lose Weight, um, and that's you know gonna get brought up in the conversation somehow, um, you know. So the, the the medical field is just very very you know putting a lot of pressure on that. I feel, and and then we have like beauty and sexuality and objectification and like you know what is it to be? I think you know, diet culture affects men certainly just as much, well, maybe not just as much, but it certainly affects men quite a bit. Um, But I, being a woman, I think that that's much more my experience. Um, You know, and and that's how you bring value. That's how you have power. That's how you get people to trust you and respect you is by being in a smaller body. And it's so, um, you know, we put so many like value judgments and moral judgments on what kind of food we're eating and how much of it we're eating and how much and what type of exercise we're doing. Um, and it really like sucks the joy out of a lot of really human experiences. Um, and I just find that to be so sad. Um, and so that, you know, that that's kind of like my perspective of like, why it's so important for us to be engaging with this differently.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I do see that as well in the medical field, for sure. There are so many other things that impact your health. And yet, you're right, it's comes a lot, of course, the beginning is weight. But then it's also funny, because they, you know, a lot of times the medical field also doesn't recognize some of the value in, um, you know, certain types of eating and, and things like that as well. So it's kind of a really funny um, mm-hmm. circle that that they get into. But um, yeah, totally agree that it's definitely there. You know, I've been somebody that I was obese as a child, you know, I was put through Mm -hmm. like, um, basically like a clinic for overweight Mm -hmm. children as a young child that was run through a hospital. And, you know, it certainly was very difficult um, in terms of confidence and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, And there wasn't that oh yeah, maybe we can accept that this is where your body is at now right. and mm-hmm. kind of mentality so I do think it's really interesting and like I said um, diet culture is is really crazy and when you start to understand that it's a business and that that is what is right. really happening it's a way for people to make money um it's you know it's so obvious but then you don't understand I think the extent so absolutely um, and I guess one of the things that I've been, really thinking a lot about is, you know, I have a daughter, um, and she's eight, you know, she's kind of hitting that age where she's starting to notice more about people and how people look and um, even, you know, self reflection. And so I wondered if you had thoughts about how do we not only create kind of that compassion for ourselves but then also as we're modeling this messaging for kids like what what's mm-hmm. the best
1: approach there yeah, thank you for that question. I love that question. So I I have um, two daughters. Also. My daughters are little, right? I've got like a, a three and a half year old and a one year old um, right now. But it's something that I was aware of, because of my own biases and, and some experiences that I had when I was younger, too. And also, you know, my mom was just like, so into diet culture, my dad, too, mm-hmm. actually. So I got a lot of bad messaging when I was little. And it really, really harmed me. So this is something that I've been thinking about when I even made the decision that I might want to have kids. Um, and the the first thing that is probably the hardest, honestly is how are we modeling, how are what are we modeling for them? So, like, how are we talking about our bodies in front of the kids? How mm. are we talking about other people's bodies in front of them? Like, how much are we talking about whether people are attractive or not or what we do or do not like about their bodies? Um, and and bringing as much neutrality as humanly possible to that? So, you know, my my daughter the other day was, like, pointing out my stretch marks on my stomach, right? And mm-hmm. um, it was one of those moments where I just had to kind of, like, soothe my, myself internally, right? And mm-hmm. she asked, like, what is this? You know, and it was, well, it's, you know, it's a mark on my body because my tummy got really big when I was pregnant. That's it. That was all mm-hmm. I said. And then, you know, but is it going to go away? Well, I don't think so. It's just part of the way that my body looks now, right? Um, and, and similarly, although I have, you know, my own insecurities still, and I'm still on my own, in my own process with body acceptance, um, I do my very, very best not to do any of that in front of her or in earshot of her, um, you know, and, and so when I am talking to her, um. I, I try to talk to her about what her body can do. I, ta- I try to talk to her about how strong she is when we're talking about food. Um, it's about like, you know, what, is, what does your body want? Like, are you hungry? How can you tell that you're hungry? What are you hungry for? Um, we absolutely do not make her eat when she's saying that she's done. We don't make her mm-hmm. eat anything. Not that I think we could anyway.
0: Um,
1: yeah. You yeah. know, and she, you know, she, she doesn't eat as much as I would like, actually. Um, but, you know, we, we're we very, very careful about letting her choose her own portion sizes. And, you know, we don't do special foods. We don't do dessert. It's all just food. And she chooses what she wants to eat when she wants to eat it. Um, and it's been really cool to watch That development for her, Um, my husband actually was reading, um, I don't know where he found this, but he was reading some article about how in Europe, I think it was specifically France, how they talk to their kids about food. And I guess that they don't even bring nutrition into the conversation until the child is much older. And when the child is young, they do more like, you know, you should try this. It has a creamy texture. It's smooth. It, you know, it'll coat the inside of your mouth. It tastes like, um, you know, what does it taste like? What's the texture? What, how, What is the temperature? What is it going to be like for you to eat it? What kind of experience might you have? And that's how they do food choice stuff I guess in France and so that's something that we've been really leaning into also we haven't really talked to her about nutrition other than you know it's important for a body to have all sorts of different kinds of food to nourish us and so we just we talk about variety um Mm -hmm. but we don't talk about like yes this no that um so those are the things that you know I've heard echoed in other you know intuitive eating and healthy at every size um you know, circles. And those are the things that we've been trying to implement. Um, And I guess check in with me in 15 years, and I'll let you know how it went. Yeah, Yeah,
0: no, no, actually, I really like some of those. I think that's good. I've I've been trying definitely on the variety too. that, you know, it helps us to get different things that we need. Um, And then the other one, like she asked me one day, how come a lot of people eat salad? You know, I'm seeing that a lot where it's Mm. like, yeah, a lot of, and it, to me, it was very like, oh, it just seems very diet-y. Like, you know, why why do a lot of women eat salad? Mm-hmm. And um so, yeah, I talked about, you know, well, there's a lot of fiber in salad, and that's really good for our digestion <laughs> and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, it's challenging because they come home from school, and you've probably not experienced this yet, but they're saying like, yeah, we went over today what kind of foods mm-hmm. are healthy and what kind of foods are junk, right? And right. so you're like, oh, wow, okay, this is... I get what the school's trying to do. You know, they're trying to promote the children to have more of a variety and not always want the piece of chocolate because there's, you know, value in us eating fruits and vegetables and meat and, and all these other things. But yeah, it does start to come across as very diet culture. In fact, their school runs a, a running program. And I love this because, you know, activity is so great. It helps the kids learn well. But I know they were starting... Um, the morning announcements with saying, um, Hey, the running programs today, we all need to get in shape. And I just thought, mm. Oh my gosh, like these are four or five year old kids oh my gosh. that, you know, are hearing this messaging and it, it just, it's, you know, it's can be very, um, pervasive for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just such a thing that I, you know, I'm sure you'll see as well, like you're almost kind of backpedaling, Around it, I guess, yeah. um, a lot of the time. So I like that idea about, um, you know, the choice and how does that food feel and and things like that. That's really interesting yeah. to to take such a different approach. About a year ago, we got a new puppy named Charlie. Charlie is a lab collie crossed with an Australian cattle dog, a blue heeler. And Charlie is a super chewer. He chews anything he can get his hands on, blankets, he chews any toy that we get and destroys it within a few seconds. So, this is why I'm excited this year for Christmas to give Charlie the Bark Box Super Chewer. Bark Box Super Chewer comes with two tough toys that are always fluff free because Charlie can destroy anything with fluff. He literally can find the weak link in that toy and then he just goes to town. It also comes with two full-size bags of treats that are customizable for allergy or diet preferences, and then two all-natural meaty chews. So you can also get your dog, especially if he's a super chewer, a BarkBox Super Chewer subscription, and you can use my link, which is www superchewer.com slash real life and this link gives you an extra free month of superchewer which is valued at $45 and is valid on the multi-length plan so you can sign up with three months or six months or a year and then see what you like in terms of keeping your dog happy and not chewing the things that he shouldn't be chewing like Charlie did when we first got him and he chewed the corners of our walls and our trim in our house and our couch and so many things. So get BarkBox Super Chewer. And again, my link is www.superchewer.com slash real life. So I guess I'm just kind of thinking generally, you know, you seem really focused on us kind of accepting ourselves, Um, You know, people finding their confidence and just kind of wondering what you see um, in terms of that being really important for us. And, and like, what are some of the tools that you're using to Mm -hmm. instill that kind of confidence?
1: Yeah, thank you for that. Um, So there's a quote, I I like my quotes. Um, And there's Mm -hmm. a there's one of my very favorite quotes by um, a man named Carl Rogers. He's one of like the founding fathers, I guess, of like therapy. Um, And it, it is like the curious paradox is that only when we accept ourselves as we are, then can we change. Um, And I find it so incredibly powerful um, because it's like holding these two things simultaneously of like loving ourselves as we are and accepting ourselves completely. And yet also being able to be goal driven and future driven and being able to like work towards things that matter to us and are important to us, whether it be, um, you know, athleticism or um, have it, you know, our work um, or, you know, anything. Um, Mm -hmm. So You know, what I've noticed is that when people are very self-critical and they don't have that self-accessibility. Uh, acceptance aspect, um, it actually really stalls their growth and development. That's how people get stuck. Um, they're spending so much energy in this spiral of beating themselves up and then feeling badly about themselves and then trying to pick themselves back up to be motivated and then pushing Mm. really hard. It's like that spiral does not get you anywhere. It slows you down. Um, Whereas if we give ourselves permission, I've been lately, I've been calling it like the embodied reset, right? It's this it's this ability to show up in your body moment to moment and figure out what am I pulled towards? What do I want? What do I need right now? Um, Where is my energy pulling me? And then being able to make decisions based on that. um, It's so, so powerful when we're not just trying to like, well, this is the plan. This is what I said I was going to do. This is what they expect of me. This is what I expect of me, you know, and so I'm going to beat myself up for not doing it. So, you know, I kind of mixed it up a little bit there, but like in as far as tools go, I think that is one of them, right? Is like the embodied reset, like show up in your body, give yourself permission to actually reset, to go against the plan, to do something different, to be more spontaneous, be more impulsive, um, and also just practicing. Like I like a, this therapeutic modality; it's called internal family systems, and they they have um, this concept of an inner critic, many different therapy styles have, you know, some, they call it different things, but some concept of an inner critic, that's the one that's telling us that we're not good enough, that we're stupid, that we're ugly, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And, you know, I, I think a lot of um, sort of pop. Psychology stuff, so like things that you'll see on social media or, like, like you know, magazines or whatever, um, will say like, oh, like you know, kick your inner critic to the curb and like just tell them to shut up and like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that that is actually also really counterproductive. <laughs> um, okay. Because what you're doing is you're arguing with a part of yourself. You're getting into a power struggle with different aspects of self. And if we really think about it, like, why did we develop this inner critic in the first place? Well, it's self protective, it was trying to push you hard enough so that you could be better so that you could be safe. Now we can talk about all sorts of different moments and experiences where you may have needed that. I'm sure you know, if if we take a couple moments, we could find some of those. But the bottom line is that its intention is incredibly positive for you. And so our job then is to say, you know, thank you so much for trying to help. Um, but I've got this right now. Um, and, one sort of quick anecdote that I like to use to exemplify this is um, when my daughter, my first daughter was six months old. She was little bitty. She was teething, um, putting everything in her mouth. I went to go visit my sister. She had a three-year-old son at the time. Uh, We went to go get coffee together and my daughter had like a teething ring. You know, my sister was holding her. She had a teething ring in her mouth. She was, you know, chomping down. Um, She looked like a little door knocker. And um, my nephew just like tore the teething ring out of her, just Tore it out of her mouth, and like I had my like little hormonal like mama bear kick in, and I had to just sort of like tamp it down, and like don't yell at the toddler, you know, like take a moment, like <laughs> um, you know everybody's okay. And I thought to myself, like, okay, I could chastise him, I could, but what was he trying to do? And I was able to recognize, well, he always hears us saying, like, don't let her put that in her mouth. Don't let her swallow that. Don't, you know, take that out of her mouth. And so he was trying to help. He was doing his very best to do what Mm -hmm. he thought that we needed him to do. What he actually needed was, thank you so much for caring enough to try and help. Um, I love that you love her. But your mommy and I are both here. And right now, you're not responsible for that. You, you're you too little for that. You don't have to worry about it.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he, you know, the intention was good, but it wasn't necessary, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, that's really interesting. So I guess what I'm thinking about when you're talking about embodied reset, like what I'm kind of hearing is basically – you almost want to stop making yourself do things like, is that Mm -hmm. kind of, because I know for myself as an overachiever, I think I've kind of went through life and had this ability that I can, I can bully. I can make myself do just about anything. But Mm -hmm. the challenge is you don't always end up very happy, with the result or um you know even in the end like i think about when i was doing for instance my undergrad like i didn't love the program but i was like no i am not going to give up i'm not going to be wrong about this and i am mm-hmm. just going to make myself do it well i did but the challenge was then when it came to get a job you know i still didn't really want to do the stuff that i then had an education right Right. so um you know and and also similarly with you know even looking at kind of different weight journeys and things like that like there's been I was very successful losing a lot of weight with um a trainer and you know you just kind of make yourself do everything that they're telling you but in the end I still never really felt well like I never felt like oh I I you know, either look good or feel good. I, I always kind of wanted more. And I was always sort kind of in that, that making
1: myself mentality. So I guess I just wanted to kind of check whether I'm sort of getting that right. Totally, totally. If you're push, if you're forcing yourself to do something that does not feel good, you are absolutely pushing yourself upstream and in the wrong direction, like 99% of the time.
0: And so then does that create, you know, that anxiety and and things like that? Like, like kind of what is the fallout
1: there? I mean, the, the, um, product, right, whatever you're producing is like not (laughs) as good as it would be if you were Mm -hmm. like inspired and motivated and excited about what you were doing. And it also means that the things that you are excited, inspired and motivated for are not getting enough of your attention. And so you end up feeling kind of lackluster, burnt out, um, you know, discouraged, like, that's how we get depressed, you know, um, is by making decisions because we feel like we should. We go, you know, further and further and further down that line. And here we are with a bunch of like mediocre products that, you know, never really meant that much to us in the first place that took maybe twice as long as they should have, because if you don't really care about your assignment, then it's going to take you four hours instead of two. Um, And in the meantime, all of that potential and all of the things that really, you know, could light you up and that you, where you could be making even more of a difference um, in your life and your family's lives and in like your community, like those things aren't happening. Um, And so it's just, it's yeah. But I mean, I would say like the personal fallout is burnout. That's like the easiest Mm -hmm. way to say it. But it's also like just an uninspired, unmotivated, like not doing things that matter to you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes absolute sense for sure. And, um, you know, obviously, then that's not when we're going to be doing our best work and leaning into things that that we love. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, So yeah, I wondered, I guess, if you want to talk about any of the other kind of tools or tips, advice that you're giving um, clients in terms of doing this work.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the first thing that I've been telling people, <laughs> and this is I um half-ass your way to success, guys. Like <laughs> half-ass your way to make it. Like you know the the things that are non-negotiables. I you know do it if it's worth doing. Like do it if you have to brush your teeth, brush your kids' teeth, right? But mm-hmm. like make the lunches. Um, <laughs> make the lunches, but don't spend so much energy on those things that you have nothing left over for anything else. Right. I'm talking to a bunch of perfectionists. I'm talking to higher achievers. I'm not worried that you're going to let things go. Right. So like, um, you know, practice half-assing. <laughs> uh, the okay. other, you know, the other tool is like, I'm um, asking people to be strategically selfish. Right. Learn to say no more. Just because someone wants something from you does not mean that you should provide it. Just because you can do it does not mean that you should do it, right? Um start learning to take care of yourself more, um, even if it feels selfish to you. Um and I get I think the last thing, you know, with regard to sort of like the healthy that every size stuff and, you know, some of the other things we're talking about is like it's just it's intuitive eating, it's like the embodied reset, it's like show up in your body and and actually start paying attention to what you're wanting or needing moment to moment.
0: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I can totally identify with some of those, like, because, you know, when you are a perfectionist, you are an overachiever, you're right, like you even just making the lunches, or, you know, being involved in the in your child's school, something like that, that, you know, it you could maybe give a medium amount of effort, a lot of times you end up being like, well, I'm going to do this perfectly, right? Like, so it's, <laughs> it's one yes. of those things. <laughs> And absolutely the same note, like I've been in that situation where I'm, you know, even saying to my husband, like, well, do you think I should volunteer for this? I mean, I could, I don't really want to, (laughs) but, you know, maybe, maybe I just should because I could do it. And and you're Right. right. And then it's like that takes away from that time that you, you know, have to have fun, or, you know, Mm -hmm. do some of those passion projects and things like that. So I think, um, yeah, this is really good work for sure. Um, And yeah, I really like the the embodied reset thing. It is something that is super challenging, though, because, you know, being someone who's, gosh, been on and off diets my whole life, and then, um, you know, been a very avid worker outer um Mm -hmm. I do have a hard time saying like maybe I won't run today I don't really feel like it you're sort of in the back of your mind going okay lazy like (laughs) Mm thing, right and it's hard it's hard not to to have that response um you know and and we are so like wired in terms of some of these responses that we're giving ourselves right yeah
1: yeah absolutely
0: Yeah, no, that's great. So I guess, how can listeners find out more about you? I'm sure they would find this therapy plus coaching to be so useful, um, especially if they are identifying either with needing some work on, um, you know, accepting their body, Mm -hmm. um, or also working in that realm of high achievers.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I am on, um, I'm on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram. Um, just Becca Newkirk. Um, my, my therapy, you know, I try to keep everything as simple as possible, right? You can find my therapy website with like Becca Newkirk com. You can find more about the coaching, Becca Newkirk com. And then I've got a Facebook group where I do videos every week, answer questions, and, and post regularly, um, of, called type A to type B. So type A to type B, um, where we just talk all day long about how to, you know, love ourselves more and um, push ourselves less. So, oh, I that sounds to great. There. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I love that type A to type B. And do you find that then, I guess this is what I always struggle with is so by hitting this sort of not making yourself like is it then that people really find their flow and they end up just as
1: productive in the end, kind of thing? I would say more productive, honestly, yeah, I think okay. I think you get you get more productive when you're doing things that truly matter to you and you don't feel burnt out, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that's the dream for sure. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> that sounds good. All right. So that's perfect. I will link up to, um, you know, your Instagram, your Facebook, the group sounds amazing um, as well as your websites in the show notes. And hopefully everybody will go and check out everything that you're offering. Thank you, yeah, so, thank you much. so much. It was great yeah, talking to for you. talking
1: to me today. Mm-hmm. Have
0: you read my novel Pendulum by S.E. German yet? If not, what are you waiting for? And if you have, I would love to hear from you. If you don't know about Pendulum, it's a heartwarming story about a young boy who starts to experience neuropsychiatric symptoms after an infection. We follow the boy as he goes through many regular, real middle grade issues like moving, having a crush, playing sports, also while experiencing neuropsychiatric symptoms like anxiety, OCD, tics, panic attacks, and more. If you're interested in checking out Pendulum by S.E. German, it is available through Amazon Worldwide, where you can even see a preview of the book, or you can listen to chapter one, which is on episode 64 of the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. I hope you enjoy the novel, and thanks for your support. Thank you so much to Rebecca Newkirk for this conversation today. I really got a lot. I felt like she was really hitting a lot of my issues right on um, in terms of the overachieving place and definitely being in um, kind of a recovering stage in terms of looking at weight and diet in such a different way if you've not dove into the health at every size movement and starting to uncover information about how much diet culture impacts our thinking I would really urge you to do that there are some great resources out there I talk a little bit about this on the Learning to Slay the Bees podcast in episode 56 where I've given some resources that I've dove into like the Food Psych podcast with Christy Harrison as well as the Intuitive Eating Workbook by Tribble and Resh. There are a million more resources, but I would encourage you to just start looking. It may be something that you don't even think applies to you. But that when you really start to think about, you know, you're either making comments in your life or modeling um, behaviors that are in line with diet culture, and it's something to really watch and notice and pay attention to. So I like I said, thanks again to Rebecca Newkirk. Uh, You can follow her on Instagram at Becca Newkirk, as well as her websites, beccanewkirktherapy.com and beccanewkirk.com. Coaching.com. Thanks for joining us this week, and I hope you found value in this conversation. Do you love the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast? Well, first of all, thank you so much. Second of all, if you love the podcast and you want more and more to keep coming, I would love your support through kofi.com. Kofi.com is a way that you can put a little money towards your favorite podcast. It can be as little as a few dollars, one time bunch of times, whatever you feel that you can give and it helps to cover all the costs that go associated with podcasting. So if you would like to support this podcast, please consider donating through Kofi.com. You can find the link in my Instagram feed under Linktree. It's at Sarah Lady Gluten or you can visit ko Ko-fi, hyphen fi.com slash learning to slay the beast. I appreciate your support, whether you can give or not. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the learning to slay the beast podcast. Please keep in mind, this podcast is not intended to be medical or professional advice. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can follow me on social media, Instagram and TikTok at Sarah Lady Gluten, or Facebook Sarah underscore gluten free lady. You can also visit my website, which includes author information, speaking information, and more info on the podcast at www.se-german.com. If you like the podcast, please feel free to review the podcast on your favorite platform and also subscribe because it means that it will show up for you every week on your favorite podcast platform. Also, we've just started to have the ability to support the podcast. You can find this link in my Instagram bio or visit kofi ko-fi.com slash learning to slay the beasts. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.